yeah, it's the DTC Podcast, people. The Real McCoy, original recipe. First in your ear hole podcast on dynasty trading and player value. Hosted by John Paul Hurley and Izzy Alcabas. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another DTC podcast. Let's rock and roll. I'm one of your hosts, John Paul Hurley. Joining me, Izzy, the Pharaoh of Fantasy Alcafoss. What's up, Izzy? What's going on? We're back again. We're doing it. We are. We are. Consistent flow. You know what consistent flow makes me think of? I'm not going to say it because Mo yeah, just no, no. it. I, I know yeah. where it's going, too, so let's just keep going. <laughs> Fair enough. We've got a phenomenal show for you guys this week. We've got like the top seven headliners of week five heading into the uh, week six week. Heading into the week six week. Yeah, whatever. We'll stick with it. It'll be edited out. Everything I say <laughs> is getting edited. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about... I'm just going to list them all off. I'm not going to hold back any uh, suspense. No surprises here. Jonathan Taylor is back. These are the headlines that were written for us, by the way. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read them as they were written for us, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, JT is back like Backstreet. Kyle mm-hmm. Pitts came up for some air. ETN is like an ATM. Mm-hmm. Brees got his hall pass. Joe Burrow has burrowed his way back into our hearts. Mm. And Pooper and a cuppa. Mm. <laughs> nice. Okay. Oh, and then the last one is Mac Jones. Bye. <laughs> Mac Jones, yeah, he he go. God damn Mac. He go. Uh, we, or we could just like end the show now and let the listeners use their imaginations on what we were going to talk about, all the context for each one of those topics. Yeah, that'd be fun. That'd be super fun. I actually want to start with, uh, I'm going to start with the the bad first. We're going to do the bad first, and it's Mac Jones. Mac Jones, uh, unfortunately, had a, a rather pathetic performance this week, and it's cause for concern, uh, I would say. They got blanked this week. Bill Belichick had that grimace on his face the entire week um i think he's going to be fed up to the point where he's going to want to make a move and make a change take a chance can he though change uh he can he can uh just to give a a really quick recap and then maybe we'll start to kind of like uh talk about you know trade deadlines and stuff because the uh patriots are now one and four mac jones finished the game 12 for 22 for 110 yards and two interceptions Mm-hmm. It did not look pretty. I don't know. Uh, so there's been um, some offensive line troubles, but like it looks like Mac Jones is is uh, not the Mac we thought he was. This is a the second straight season where also he doesn't have weapons. Like oh, he's got Kendrick Bourne. Yeah, you know, yeah, good point. Yeah, like even Bailey Zappi coming in, it's like you can't replace Bailey Zappi today. Was three for nine. He was four for nine last week. So he's seven of eighteen on the season. Like. He hasn't done anything in his time under center either. I don't know if they pulled a plug on Mac Jones and give it to Bailey. I'm not 100% sure like what Bill's thinking. You know, the answer in New England probably isn't on the roster, but I, I feel like there isn't a fair shake here. Uh, you you can have Kendrick Bourne be your top option in an offense. It's not ideal. And Juju is not doing Juju's, anything either juju's done dude uh there was yeah. like the rumblings of juju and his knee and having issues there i don't juju is nothing like he's he's kind of been a shell for years now you just can kind of been waiting he's still 26 years old but his yards per target are horrendous so when he catches the ball he's not doing anything with 
the ball in his hands. And he's not – and I want to know how many of these targets are actually catchable. I don't have the data on that because I wasn't planning on talking about Juju. But he's under – he in every single game, he's been under five yards per target. And that's just – those aren't good numbers. Uh, this, this last week, he was one and a half yards per target. The week prior, 2.8. In week three, he was 1.67 yards per target. Uh, nothing good to be taken out there. Even looking at like a Devontae Parker, he had a, I guess he had a nice grab today. That could be the only thing that you could kind of highlight there. But outside of week two, most targets he's had in the game is four. And then you look at Kendrick Bourne, and Kendrick Bourne is, he's had the big splashy game, but he's had the most targets on the team most yards per target on the team. I mean, they're using him down the field. Mac Jones has a little bit of chemistry with him. It's kind of waned as of late. But if Kendrick Bourne's your top uh, option, you're you're going to lose a lot of games. Kendrick Bourne is a is a wide receiver three. He shouldn't be a top option in any offense. He should be the third or fourth option at best in any kind of offense. Juju's nothing. Devontae Parker, I mean, he's been kind of zapped for a while. No pun intended. Oh, nice. Um, and you have Demario Douglas who left the game with a concussion. There's just not. There's just not much there on offense. Hunter Henry's really fallen off. Gasicki's okay. It's just Mac has not looked good. But you got to give a young quarterback something to work with, and then you can evaluate and say, "Yeah, this guy sucks." You know, it's. None of it's very good. So and you can't do it. It's not like you can trade Mac Jones away in Dynasty. What are you going to get for him? Not much. Second? Nobody. Yeah, gonna- and he's he's descending. People are shaky about him. He's kind of like taking that Mitch Trubisky path where it's like he's just kind of down and out. Maybe destined for a backup job. Do you take a second for him? Would you cash out for a second? Um. Yeah, you kind of got to, right? Would you? I have Mac in one spot, one or two spots. Um, in a regular league, man. And, uh, yeah, when you say regular league, you're talking super flex. like a twelve team super flex, not like yes. Debbie or anything. Yeah, um, I'd have to think. I'd have to think on. I don't know. That's a good question, man. By the time we're talking second round picks, I almost might want to just hold on to him and hope he pops back up. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, he's more likely to end up becoming worth a third than he is to become worth a first, but. I'd rather gamble on that, that he has, you know, whether he's the quarterback there in New England or they move him and he goes somewhere else and it's a better situation. Not a good, like either way, he, he's probably 70%. I would put him, I'm going to throw out a random number that sounds right to me in my head, but he probably has a 70, 75% chance of being a, maybe even more, being a backup next year than a starter but that off chance they can go somewhere else i just don't see him being in new england again unless he turns this thing around which i don't see it happening with kendrick Bourne as your guy it's just just not possible they're not good they're not good enough right now they're not winning enough games to to warrant a trade for a player yeah i think what needs to happen in new england i think bill needs to go i think bill just needs to it's sunsetted. Last year, it was Matt Patricia, like a defensive guy, was your offensive coordinator. He's just kind of 
in over his head at this point. He's getting too cute. He thinks he's untouchable, and it's biting him. He's just got to go. I think it's time. Wow, yeah, but maybe. As for Mac, it's you hold you hold and wait. You've kind of made your bed with Mac Jones, and you just hold and wait. Hopefully, there's your QB3, QB4, and then you just kind of see what happens. But I'm holding. Yeah. I think um, the Patriots might benefit from testing the trade market for like a Andy Dalton or like a, a Jacoby Brissett makes sense because he's he's played with Belichick the before. Dude. I don't think it's the quarterback. Yeah, but like Mac, it, it is the quarterback and other things. So it's like both and. I don't know. I don't know if it is. I, I honestly don't know if it's if Mac Jones is responsible for any of this. Well, no, I don't want to say any of this. I don't know if he you can point the finger at him being the main issue. I don't think he's the main issue. Right now he there's an issue, but we've seen Mac like in the first week of the season, he looked great against Philly. You know? So it's there. I yeah. I just don't think Brissett is gonna fix anything. Andy Dalton's not gonna fix anything. There's only a handful of quarterbacks, maybe five to seven quarterbacks in this league that can transcend situation. The rest of them are about the pieces that are around them and the coaching. So you can't expect 23 quarterbacks in this league to transcend what's around them, beyond what's around them. So I wouldn't put this on Mac until you actually get a a season where or games where he has legitimate weapons, and then you can determine if he sucks or not. You know, he he sucks right now, that's for sure. But is it official that he sucks? I think it's yet to be determined. Yeah. Um, yeah, in week five, I mean, there's still time. It doesn't, if, if there's not other other options, like, I still think that it would behoove the Patriots to have some better depth at quarterback, though, just in case Mac Jones continues on this trend, at least, you know? And, you know, guys like Jacoby Brissett make a lot of sense to me because he, he's been there before. Um, he's, he's played well as a starter. Um, so we'll see. Very interesting. So that's Mac Jones. Uh, moving on to the next one, Jonathan Taylor. JT is back like Backstreet. He returned to action. He didn't quite get a ton of work uh, to start with. In fact, Zach Moss finished the week with a pretty insane stat line. He had 23 carries, 165 yards, two touchdowns, including two catches for 30 yards. Uh, a monster week for Zach Moss. Almost like Zach Moss is making the staff question why they brought JT back. Um, JT getting six carries, 18 yards, also catching one pass for 16 yards on one target. Um, uh, but he's back. It's kind of nice. It's, uh, nice to see that this isn't like a season long type of thing that it could have turned into. I mean, I don't know how it didn't like you, you had, you brought Zach or Zach Moss came back and ever since he's come back, Zach Moss has been balling and you had this whole drama with JT and you're not going to pay him and all this other thing and he doesn't want to be there anymore. And then Zach Moss comes in, rips it up for four weeks, looks solid. I don't want to say rips it up as is looking like a, a game changer, but is very serviceable, which highlights your point as a franchise saying we don't need to pay JT. And then they turn around and pay him. Yeah, that makes no sense. It literally, I, I don't understand it. Um. But I wonder if do you think maybe they feel like they they can contend um, and they kind of like they need to have some running back depth at least. And they have I think JT may have settled 
uh, a trade didn't work out and he wants to play and he wants to get paid. So he may have settled for maybe lower, a lower cash <sighs> offer than he wanted. There's no way the Colts think they contend. There's no way. But anyways, like we, we don't know. It, it's, it doesn't make any sense to me. But irregardless, uh, as soon as the news came that Jonathan Taylor was coming back, I have one share of Jonathan Taylor. And as you saw in one of our leagues, I immediately shipped him. Um, oh, you did? Okay. Yeah. And I would be, maybe not now because he kind of had a, a clunker and you got to wait for him to kind of get eased back into the system. And then once he has his big game, I would be getting out from under Jonathan Taylor. We we have to also remember he didn't, he didn't look that good last year. He really struggled last year and I get it. It's not the same team. The offensive line was really bad last year. But if you look at his 2022 numbers outside of a couple games, he wasn't very good. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to move him if I have him. You're not going to get JT of old value, but if you can get top five running back value, I would be comfortable moving on from him. And if you're a contender, if you look at it this way, if you were a contender before Jonathan Taylor came back, then you could take Jonathan Taylor and trade him and get additional pieces to help you. And then you're still formidable. Yeah. If you are a contender now that Jonathan Taylor is back, that you feel that you're a contender because he is back, I would argue, I don't know if Jonathan Taylor this year is going to help you. We've seen guys that have sat out and they're easing him back in. We've seen so many guys that have been that have held out in the past that have just been, I don't want to say eased back into it, but have missed a lot of offseason that have come back and they've gotten hurt relatively quickly yeah and he's not hungry for a contract or anything he got paid he could be uh, lax however i i'm a little bit less concerned about him having a clunker this week because they paid him a considerable amount of money and they intend to use him you know um oh, i think I'm it's not smart to ease usage. him back well i'm not, here's smart, our, I'm not worried here's about usage yeah go ahead yeah but you're, you're, you were saying that like you wouldn't trade him this week because he just kind of had a clunker and i i, I think people yeah. can look past that because of the big contract oh and, i see yeah maybe and I think the the right strategy might be like a next week. Um, taking a look at some of his uh, upcoming matchups, it might make sense to trade him when he is gonna like have a better chance at busting out. Either right, like right before that week, if you're a believer, or after the, if if you uh, if you really think he's gonna bust out, then trade him after like a big week and upcoming. Looking at some of these matchups coming up here. He plays against the Jaguars next week, who are the 12th-ranked run defense, the Browns 4th-ranked, the Saints 7th-ranked, and then he gets the 29th-ranked Panthers and the 17th-ranked Patriots. So, like, most trade deadline leagues that have trade deadlines are probably not happening until, like, week 10 or whatever. So if you're still contending, which you you people who have Jonathan Taylor were probably a contending team, right? Would you agree? You're not sitting on Jonathan Taylor as a rebuilder. Yes and no. We've talked about this, and I've been on shows where we've recommended as a rebuilder to acquire Jonathan Taylor, and then when he comes back, flip you him. could yeah. flip him, right? So I could see Jonathan Taylor being on any team, whether it be rebuilder or contender. So that's sure I could see it, but I would say more off, more likely than not, he's on a team that was at least previously a contender. 
sure, you could argue that. Um, and maybe I'll just put out a poll too. That's interesting. But anyway, what, what I would recommend is like, if you're probably contending and you're, you're, you know, hanging in there, you're not mailing it in for the season, you can hang out to Jonathan Taylor, use his production, whatever that's going to be in the upcoming weeks. And then after like a big week nine, or like if you might actually, he might pop out against one of these tough defenses, uh, cause he's capable of hitting home runs. If he pops out, then that'd be the time to trade him. Like you, you can solidify top five running back value. I think at that point, I think it's smart to kind of like. Hang on to him, let him do his thing. It's probably going to happen, and then shipping him once he pops off. Yeah, and and I'd be comfortable right now if you can get you know JT straight up for like a Kenneth Walker. I would rather have Kenneth Walker at this point. I think you could go down and try to target somebody that's been struggling, like Jameer Gibbs, and say, "Hey, I'm going to roll the dice on Gibbs. It's it's definitely a risk, but if you can get Gibbs plus for JT." I like that. Um, yeah. You know, as I've gone, Dynasty is, is, the landscape has changed a lot since you and I have been playing, right? It's been nearly 20 years since we started playing Dynasty. And when we started playing Dynasty, it was, you got to get a bell cow and these bell cows go until they're in their 30s and you just enjoy it. And I feel like now, once you're a contender, the best way to win and be successful long-term and to actually have a dynasty where you're continually competing every single week or every single season is to look at running backs at a year, year, one year at a time and the rest of your roster as that three to five-year period, preferably five years. So like these receivers, looking at it from a five-year perspective for these running backs, a year, two tops. So. If I'm looking at JT and I'm like, okay, I'm a contender. He's going to help me. I honestly would be looking at JT as, yeah, he's, he's really good. And I'm not saying he's not good. What I'm saying is I'd rather get out from under a top five running back at this point that we haven't seen play and just pivot into something that we have seen recently um, just to take a little bit of risk off the table and c- cash out my chips on him coming back. Mm-hmm. And whatever you think that is as a dynasty owner whether that's going after somebody somebody cheaper that you think could produce for you and there's an outside like a Brian Robinson where you think okay I can get him for well below Jonathan Taylor and I can get you know Brian Robinson plus plus for Jonathan Taylor and there's a chance that B-Rob is next year he's also the main squeeze over there in in Washington and now you get 2 years of Brian Robinson, if I'm lucky, maybe a third year, who knows? Uh, but I've also stashed some equity from getting out from under Jonathan Taylor as well. And you could make this argument that you could do this with, you know, anybody not named Bijan McCaffrey and Brees Hall. You know, I'm a big fan of trading these running backs at the peak of their values. Bijan has like, unconditional that's a way to put it insulation like there's nothing that could happen to Bijan outside of him dying where he wouldn't have value value insulation going into next year yeah he's got like that fancy spray on insulation that costs a lot of money <laughs> yeah sure we can go with that you you look at Christian McCaffrey that's that one year that's that one year deal like I would be moving out from under Christian McCaffrey and just trying to get a boatload while I can and pivot to another one-year player that I think could still produce. Like 
I would go after Camara Light or uh, McCaffrey Light, which is Camara right now. I would try to get Camara plus a first for Christian McCaffrey. And but I understand if others would rather just hang on to Christian McCaffrey and ride him out because if he stays healthy, he's obviously a league winner. 20 plus points a week, easy, I feel like the rest of the way. Like if he puts if he gets less than 20 points in a week, that's that's shocking. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So and then you have Brees Hall, who also has very similar insulation to Brian Robinson still because he is absolutely going bonkers with the production that he has. You then you get to like Kenneth Walker, Travis Etienne, the JT tier, those types of players where you could say they're not bulletproof by any means. I would be okay trying to pivot off of those guys, Josh Jacobs, Saquon, Tony Pollard. Um, I'd be looking at that to try to pivot off of. So, yeah. and if I'm also a Christian McCaffrey owner, I would be chomping at the bit to move Christian McCaffrey for Eckler plus. Because I, I feel like Eckler, when he comes back, could put up very similar statistics to Christian McCaffrey and you've also stashed some equity. You've you've insured some of that equity with Eckler over uh, Christian McCaffrey in a trade like that. But nonetheless, how about like David? How about like David Montgomery? Like, would you? Um, Twenty six yeah, oh, yeah. years old, blowing it up. Like currently, yeah. this is pr- before this week, but currently ranked as like uh, in the twenties for running back dynasty rankings. I'm assuming he's he'll probably spike up into the teens after this week since he's had back to back stud performances. Yeah. yeah. Um, but. He'd be kind of a good one to to pivot into from one of these top tier guys. Yeah, the only issue I have with David Montgomery, and listen, I I think David, as we had in our fearless forecast, I think David Montgomery is going to be there the entire year, just gobbling up all these carries. But we've seen coaches do some pretty weird, I don't know, weird shit in the past. So you're buying David Montgomery at an absolute peak. Gibbs has been hurt. Not included in the you know in the game plan as much as David Montgomery. He just receivers are banged up. Yeah, he's coming off a big game, multiple big games. Um, The time to acquire David Montgomery probably isn't now, and it probably is the ship has sailed because you're buying into what the production has already happened. Like he, I feel like David Montgomery's value can't get any higher. Yeah, so I mean, you're talking like sell territory then. I think he's hold territory. So here, here's the, 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 it's an interesting, I guess, dichotomy with these running backs. And I feel like this is like this with these aged running backs. You talk about Derrick Henry, Alvin Kamara, um, Aaron Jones, like those types of players that their values have already been depressed because they've aged. And once you get to that point, it's kind of like the receivers with Adams and Hopkins and Keenan Allen. Their ages have depressed them so much that if you could get lucky and move them after a monster game like Keenan had a few weeks ago, and I recommended, hey, maybe you get out from under Keenan Allen just to see if you can get lucky. Most of the time, though, you're left with these. You have to look at the value, the value that you'd get back relative to the production that you would be getting just holding on to that player. And a lot of these older guys that have kind of hit their ceiling in their in terms of their value, they're they're discounted so much. It doesn't make sense to move up, out from under them because 
Dave Montgomery right now is a league winner, the way that he's producing. But you don't want to go acquire because what you're gonna have to pay for David Montgomery is a is a probably a mid first, right? Right now at this moment after this week, you're probably looking at a mid first, late first, let's call it if you're lucky. But the thing is, if somebody has a late first, that means they getting David Montgomery. Yeah, I mean, obviously that would make him even a later first, but nonetheless. You're better off just hanging on to David Montgomery in a situation like this and just right now, of course, if you can't win with David Montgomery, if you look at your roster and you're like, hey, I'm two and three after this week. My team is getting decimated. I have David Montgomery, but I'm I don't think I'm one of the top three contenders. If you're not a top three contender, you move David Montgomery and try to get a first. One hundred percent of the time. And do I think David Montgomery could be a good player next year as well? Absolutely. But I don't want to have that risk as a rebuilder. As soon as you get into rebuild territory, take the risk off the table with the running backs, immediately pivot to picks. The sooner you pivot to picks, the sooner you get to the market before everybody else bails. I don't know, man. I, I think uh, I think hanging on to David Montgomery could be a mistake at this point because I think that even if you're contending right now, you weren't relying on David Montgomery going into the season to carry your team to a championship. You probably had other running backs, unless you've had injuries and then you have to keep hang on to it. But like, you probably have a surplus at running back, and David Montgomery was probably like your running back three, maybe running back two in in some extreme cases. But I think it'd be really smart to to move away from him, especially if somebody's willing to offer you like a mid first, because you probably had some inventory at running back. Yeah, so I'm in a situation like that personally that you're that you're describing, but. I don't have the running back depth right now to move on with. Like, so if he's my right now, David Montgomery, because obviously I thought he was gonna have a big season. He was, he's an RB three, RB two. He went into the season as the RB three for me. Now he's my RB two. So I'm not gonna move on, move out from under David Montgomery as a contender because yeah. I can't replace him. Even if I down, even if I talk about what you're, what I've always talked about, you take. A the value of the player, you try to get 80% of the production and then acquire picks to, to kind of give you some equity in the future to continue to bolster your roster. With David Montgomery, there, you can't do that. You can't go under David Montgomery's value. You can't get X player plus a second that will give you 80% of Montgomery's production the rest of the season. I just don't think that player exists. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Not at not in his tier. Like, um, yeah, Miles Sanders isn't getting it done. Najee Harris isn't getting it done. Javante Williams is often banged up. Maybe like a maybe a after this Pierce week, or Ramondre Stevenson this, could be a target. Yeah, after this week, I could see that being something. And Aaron Jones, maybe. Yeah, Aaron Jones. You could make that argument. Aaron Jones in a second for David Montgomery. I could see that. We'll see how David. Now, obviously, Kyron Williams would be. We're okay. recording during the Sunday night game, so we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Yeah. So there are options to be had there. I'm a big fan of selling high. I, I really am. And I think you are as well, especially at the running back position. Like this stuff changes so fast at the running back position to make your head spin. So the, the most frustrating position in all of Dynasty is running back. I think more than tight end. The thing is, it's hard to find that next tight end, but it's everybody's problem, right? So you're... Yeah. you're there's three or four tight ends that are worth 
any crap in Dynasty. So you're with eight other guys. But with running backs, it's like luck of the draw, who stays healthy, who has the, the right handcuffs, so on and so forth. But nonetheless, we're kind of pivoting away from Jonathan Taylor, which is still a, a good conversation. But with Jonathan Taylor, you have that gap, so such large value gap, that even though we're talking about selling David Montgomery for you know a second plus, like an Aaron Jones, hypothetically, if you can get that done, I think going and getting, if you can get a first plus David Montgomery for Jonathan Taylor, I would do that. I just don't think at this point you can do that because of what David Montgomery is doing. So yeah, Montgomery would be, it would be, that's not the right pivot. It's not going to work. Yeah. That would be difficult to do. So, because you had, and the reason why this David Montgomery got brought up, because you asked about what would, what about David Montgomery? And I just don't think that's possible right now, the way that he's playing. Yep. Agreed. The person that owns him also is contending. They probably don't want to give up a first on top of Dave Montgomery to get a what they think would be a better contending piece. So yeah, well, let's stick with the running backs. The one of the next hi- highlights headlines was uh, ETN is an ATM this week. He finished the week with 26 carries, 136 yards rushing, and two touchdowns. He also piled on four catches for 48 yards, so he had a massively productive week. He was in the 40s in most formats. And this is really good to see because the next closest person for carries was Trevor Lawrence with seven. Obviously not going to cut into Travis Etienne's time. Calvin Ridley with two carries. Tank Bigsby with three carries. So it was like a a workhorse situation for Travis Etienne. Very, very promising. Yeah, he is absolutely every bit of a workhorse right now. Yeah, over 20 touches a week. That's what you, that's what you want. Uh, if you get 20 touches a week, you're going to be a top five RB on the season, top six RB at worst, I feel. So Etienne's an interesting one. He's still relatively young. His workload, it's interesting because he's a young guy, but in Dynasty, there's still a lot of people that are just, they're not all in on Travis Etienne. He's always had just kind of like this this looming doubt over him. So it really depends on on your sub-market, which is your league market. Every league is going to be so different on a Travis Etienne. Um, I think right now, and well, our calculator, based on the algorithm or the, the data that we've put together, he is a top five running back in Dynasty. But I feel like that's de- by default. You know, Saquon's been hurt. Jonathan Taylor's been out. Josh Jacobs has struggled. Austin Eckler got hurt. Tony Pollard's been okay. J- uh, Jameer Gibbs has been terrible. So you're talking about the player 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 have all had something go wrong with them. And I think Achan, after this week, will probably jump up into that. I, th- I think he might be 6 after this week. I think he yeah, might be RB6. I, I wouldn't be surprised. So I wouldn't be surprised if people... Where do you think Kenneth Walker goes? Because he's also in the top. Because so the top four. three are are relatively untouchable. It's Bijan, Bijan, Brees, McCaffrey. Like those those three, you know, despite McCaffrey's age, he's he's solidified himself in that spa- in that space. Yep. Kenneth Walker's kind of like um, I don't know about him. Charbonnet is what's kind of prevented Kenneth Walker from ascending, and I feel like Tank Bigsby kind of did that too. Neither one of them has been very relevant in their offenses. If you look at all of the running backs that have been brought in, uh, you know, to to 
to be there to supplement bell cows or other running backs charbonnet behind kenneth walker he's been a nothing bigsby behind travis Etienne. he's vultured some touchdowns but relatively nothing for travis Etienne. you look at spears he's been he had a pretty solid week this week but he's kind of just been a pure backup to derrick henry and then a third down back just kind of a a change of pace uh and then you look at um kendry miller behind alvin Kamara. he's dealt with his injuries and he finally had a decent week this week but these running backs that we've kind of expected oh you know we should be worried about him we haven't really needed to be worried about him so i look at kenneth walker if kenneth walker keeps playing the way he's playing he's still a 22 year old running back i feel like they brought sharp and a in just because of as insurance they had nobody behind kenneth walker p carroll likes to run the ball if kenneth walker goes down again you don't want to rely on DJ DJ Dallas. So having a, a running back that you think can play on all three downs is the insurance play to Kenneth Walker. So I think Kenneth Walker being the RB4 right now in Dynasty, he's earned that right based on the workload and performance. So I agree with that market. I, ju- I just wonder like if you the, the majority of people after this week probably would prefer to have ETN or even HN ahead of him. Yeah, to Kenneth Walker. Yeah, that'd be a fun poll. Here, I'm gonna. Yeah. Why do don't it. you do that? Do you, you're you're I'll good at posting it. those. Put put all three up on there. Okay. We'll retweet it from the main handle. We'll uh we'll recap after the podcast has finished. But um, wrapping up the ETN talk, monster performance, just like Izzy was saying. Um, really nice to see like a workhorse running back. There's just so few and far in between these days. So it's really nice to see that um him doing that. And I bet the owners that stuck by his side during the summer and like there was kind of like some concern with tank bigsby coming onto the team um i feel like as you know the the trevor lawrence travis Etienne college connection really makes a big difference you know it's kind of like the uh cj stroud and tank dell type of thing you know i I like uh, i like seeing that happen more often Mm -hmm. than not so yeah so you have you have personally have etn ahead of kenneth walker yeah i i I just like kenneth walker is explosive but like there's something i don't know if it's do you you think it's like seattle's training staff like there's something about the seattle seattle it has like a dark cloud over them for running backs staying healthy (laughs) i don't know what it is but like it's it's kind of like bill belichick uh you can't trust a bill belichick running back you can never do that Seattle's kind of like in the in that same pocket for me and I know it's hard to predict injuries and stuff like that but just like there is always health concerns with running backs in Seattle and they're always like and they know that and that's why they always surround them with like a pretty big committee at the position so it's it's a it's a double negative for me like it's yeah but you could say the same thing about San Francisco and you know what's going on with Christian McCaffrey right now like it's a ticking time bomb if we're going by the history of the 49ers maybe yeah and you can say the same thing about HN and in Miami with the history in Miami with players going down with injury at running back position. Yeah. But like, um, each of those situations are slightly different because like, well, Christian McCaffrey has already shown what he's capable of, but he's also shown that he's been capable of getting hurt. Yeah, that's true. And McCaffrey. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of a dangerous mix. Yeah. So it's like, there's risk with all of these guys, right? So it's a risk reward factor with everybody. It's just it depends on how big of a gambler you are mm-hmm. at the running back spot. So 
I happen to not be that big of a, I'd like, I want to take calculated risks. I want to have those running backs that produce, but I also want to be able to stow as much value. If it's not a pick that I can get, but I want a, you know, a receiver that I like, a, a young receiver that I think could pop off in the future, you know, like a Josh Downs or a Marvin Mims or something like that, where they're still worth like a second round value. But I think in a year's time, they could be worth a first. So. Nonetheless, I think ETN is a guy that he's young enough and he's being used enough and he's he's had some injuries in the past, but he's worth I think he, you can argue that he's in the, he's close to that tier where you can gamble on him to stay healthy. If not, you're doing the same thing that you would do with another young like it would be very similar to saying, "Hey, I'm going to take ETN and try to move him for try to buy low on Gibbs and and hope that Gibbs carves out a role big enough to justify you know that's that that the first round pick that they spent on him yeah I agree so there's there's definitely and that's a risk in itself of course but it's a calculated one and you get to yep. get some insurance along with it I agree that's a good process I would enjoy that move um, so that's pretty good. Let's keep it in the uh, the running back uh, pocket here. Uh, the next headline is Brees got his hall pass. Brees Hall went wild, which was really cool to see. Um, it appears as if the Jets kind of eased him back into action, and that was kind of like the plan all along was to bring on Delvin Cook so that they didn't have to like slam Brees Hall back into his position and uh, feed him carries, feed him the rock. Uh, so they eased him back in, and they they chose that you know week five was the the time to unleash him, and I think it was enough time for him to kind of like reset and find his legs once again. And he went completely wild, twenty two carries, one hundred seventy seven yards, a touchdown. I think he got a little bit of work in the passing game too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had a few catches. So yeah, I mean, they said that he was going to be the guy. They're going to take the training wheels off, and they didn't lie. So it's. I love saying now it was a positive game script, right? They it, they were leading or very close. I it mean, was the tight, game was yep. close. Yeah, it was tight. And then they were leading most of the second half. You look at the carry split, it was 22 for Brees, six for Dalvin. Carter had one. So it was a 75% workload for Brees Hall. And he's so good in that any crease they give him. He takes it, takes advantage of it. Uh, I would rather have Brees Hall than Christian McCaffrey in Dynasty. Yeah. But the same thing with Brees, like you have the insulation. And the reason why is like the insulation. But it's the same problem though. Is like if he gets hurt again, you have that insulation, but you miss out on your opportunity this year and you kind of, you got you to gotta wait again. And I, I just hate the 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 waiting. You can always if you stole a, if you stole an extra pick, right? Like we were talking about, you get that first round pick. You go down a couple rungs. What you could do is before the playoffs come around, you're close. You can say, okay, now I'm gonna I'm gonna use this pick that I had reserved inside of a player, and I can now take that and target a player that's healthy that I think is going to help me win a championship. I think it increases your likelihood of winning a championship doing it that way. But with with Brees and Bijan, they're the two running backs that I'm okay hanging on to without 
cashing in and acquiring a first on top of a player to get those guys. I agree. Yeah, and I think that kind of concludes the running back talk. Um, we You do have enough votes to maybe, if you want to recap that poll right away, there's like 30 or 40 votes. Or maybe yeah. just an update. Yeah, a little update. Yeah, right now it's uh, through 60 votes. It's 54% HN, um, 29% ETN, 17% Walker. And that's not surprising because it's what have you done for me lately. It's very much Twitter. So HN had the the best game, I would say, followed by, oh, I guess ETN might have had the best game, but at least HN's done it now for every week, he, the, the last three weeks that he's played. He's been consistent. Um, so I would not be surprised if he took the cake here. Now, here's the question, though. Twitter has HN ahead of ETN and Kenneth Walker. Question is, if somebody owns Kenneth Walker or ETN, would they trade them straight up for, for HN? Um, I would give up, I would give up Ken Walker for ETN. Um, but do you own Ken Walker in any league? No, I don't think you do. So it's hard for you to actually say that. Well, I mean, I can say it unbiased at least. That's, that's the best. I don't, I don't have HN in any league either. You don't have a Kenneth Walker share and you're against owning Kenneth Walker. So you're kind of going into it, but nonetheless, you have ETN. Would you trade ETN for for HN. Uh, if somebody offered him to me straight up. Well, I mean, from a value play specifically, I, I think yes, because I think I could, if I was in the trading mood, I could take HN and move him to somebody else for more than what I could get for ETN. Yeah. Uh, 12 and 13 touches in the last two weeks. Now he's yeah, his extremely efficient. I mean, the efficiency yeah, is efficiency. ridiculous in that offense. You know? If I'm going to have a top five running back in terms of the value that I've spent to acquire him, you know, if I'm trading a Kenneth Walker ETN for a guy that's getting me 12 and 13 touches the last couple of weeks, it's just, it's just not something I like doing. Yeah. You need a home run every single week. And in that offense, I mean, it, this might be the one exception. Yeah is the Dolphins' offense. This might be the one exception to that rule. Outside of the, maybe the, the greatest show on turf, you know? It kind of feels like it draws the comparison of that. Yeah, it does. It's crazy. Yeah, Isaac Bruce and Tory Holt and Marshall Falk. Marshall Falk, yeah. That's wild. So, yeah, it, it just, it doesn't sit as well with me. It goes against my process. You know, acquiring running backs as they're ascending goes against any, pro I would, I just never do it. Yeah, I agree. Um, but, a lot yeah. more ground to cover. Um, Go we're going to shift off of running backs and talk about some people who are catching the ball instead of running the ball. Although they catch the ball too, I guess <laughs> we're going to start with our only tight end that we've got is, uh, Kyle has come up for some air. Kyle Pitts mm -hmm. out of the pits. Kyle's come up for for, for some air out of the pits. Yeah. Um, very solid week from Kyle Pitts. It was kind of nice to see not only the production that he that he came up with. I think he had like uh, eight catches here. Let me see what it, what it is here just to make sure that I'm accurate. It, he, it was like 11 targets. I like to see like the involvement in the passing game, like confidence in him. That was really big to see. Um, but it was seven catches, 87 yards, tight end premium, obviously. But yeah, 11 targets. So like some he was heavily targeted, the number one targeted option. It was uh, a really good 
sign because it was kind of Desmond Ritter's coming out party as far as his passing is concerned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was like the the Falcons could probably rest pretty easily assuming that Kyle Pitts was like one of the keys to unlock Desmond Ritter, you know, like it seemed like it was pretty clear that they were going to him often. He was heavily involved in the game plan, and I think that's going to be probably a theme you'll see from the Falcons uh, the rest of the season. I I hope it was, fun fact, it was the most targets Kyle Pitts has ever seen in his career. Wow. So his highest targeted game was in 2021, where he had 10, and this week he had 11. So it is nice to see, and it was nice to see, like Desmond Ritter... It was his coming out party. He played great. Yeah, three twenty nine and a touch on thirty seven pass attempts. He completed twenty eight of them. So yeah, lots of uh, lots yeah, of work. And he had a rushing touchdown as well. Yep. Uh, so the usage is awesome. I mean, he he went from basically an afterthought. I mean, he had nine targets, I think, in week three. So he had some, you know, he had another game where he, he was targeted, and the following week he had four. So he's at three five. He's at a three five. Nine four eleven, so it's not consistent. The targets aren't, but no. hopefully after a week like this, they start to to utilize him more and more and more. Yeah. And we have to also remember he was he's coming off a knee injury, so maybe they're just kind of easing his usage back in. I would like to see. I don't know his snap share yet, but I'll be curious to see how many snaps he's actually played this week. Uh, as opposed to last week, we played 64. And the week prior, we played 78. So I'm guessing he was closer to the 80% range this week. The thing is, with Cal Pitts, is that every single time he has a week like this, his value goes up more than most players will. Just because it's like, yeah. oh, oh. Is he is he back? You know, is is he what we thought he was? And then his value just kind of spikes more than any other player in Dynasty. So I still think that you can get him for a decent deal. Before this last week, he was on par with a Dalton Kincaid. I don't think you can get after this one week, which is how Dy- how fickle Dynasty owners are. You can't get Kyle. You can't get Kyle Pitts for Dalton Kincaid anymore. Yeah, that's true. So last week you could, yep. Just like you last said. Last week you could. Now you can't. So do you let me ask you a question. Are you buying into Kyle Pitts and Dynasty? Um, yeah, I think um it's pretty easy to have confidence restored after seeing what you saw this week. And his value will be swinging up. And I you, you gotta hope that if you're buying into him that the word swing is followed by ing because like it's in the process of going higher and you're not capping out you're not plateauing yeah so i think that's the case yes right now what tight ends would you rather have i'll I'll name off the tight ends that are currently ahead of value in dynasty before this week travis kelsey mark andrews tj hawkinson sam laporta george kittle i'll take I'll, i'll roll the dice and take pits at tight end one so you would have really, wow. Okay. Yeah, Kelsey, thirty-four years old, got a little bit nicked up. He came back this week, but it's it's kind of like I, I'm not concerned about Kelsey's production, but it was like him kind of like coming up. I think it was like a, a foot injury um, after like a route that he ran. It was no contact. It was like, oh god, yeah, what is he, this? He rolled his ankle. Yeah. 
it was just like it kind of reminded me that like I I know what I felt like when I was thirty. I'm not I wasn't a professional athlete obviously, but at thirty four things start hurting and they they take longer to heal. That's just a fact, you know. Like it doesn't matter if you have a professional, you know, uh, doctor, uh, professional medical staff. Things just take longer to heal. Like you just you get banged up easier. He's he's in the absolute twilight of his career. I think he can help you win a championship if you have if you're guaranteed to win. Maybe you don't do do that, but Mark Andrews is 28 now and just like great, phenomenal, but still kind of part of a low passing volume offense. You know, that's just kind of like how it is. T.J. Hawkinson, his ceiling is just so capped by the receivers on that team. You know. Yeah, I get it. I, get I think he's one. great. Yeah, he's great. I'm not concerned about his age. Sam Laporta looks real sweet. Um, he'd be a kind of a guy that you might want to, you know, pivot to while he's still fetching pretty lowish value. George Kittle, thirty. Like there, I, I would just, I think, I'd rather have Kyle Pitts at his current value above anybody else. At his current value, okay. I yeah, see what you're saying. So, okay, yeah, I get it. But for yeah, you, I'm not saying I'm not saying I would, I would trade. Yeah, if all things were even. If you could, if you had to take one of these tight ends for their careers and you were forced to hold on to that player, Kyle Pitts would be the one that you would basically pick. Yeah. Yep. A 23 year old Kyle Pitts who's already shown that he's got uh, a pretty nice ceiling. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. And you just kind of got to hope that the, if Desmond Ritter can keep doing what he did this week, last week, then there's no concern. But you, uh, otherwise, you kind of got to hope that his quarterback situation changes. Right. Now, what about you? Before this last week, I would be trying to acquire him. You know, I've tried to acquire him. He's still like, it's interesting. His value has gone down, but it's gone down in certain markets, right? In certain league markets. But there's still a lot of people that are just hanging on to him. So his value is They're pot committed. Yeah. There's, his value is depreciated in the overall market, but most people that own Kyle Pitts have owned him since the beginning are holding on to him, and they are not willing to lose that value. They're they're sinking with the ship. Yeah, or if they traded if they traded for him, they had to give up quite a lot, you know, before right. this year to get him. Yep. Yeah. So this is the the whole sunk cost ordeal that we're dealing with. So. If I could flip uh, a Kittle, which I don't think you can do anymore after this week, even though Kittle just got a touchdown. Um, if I could flip a TJ Hawkinson, I would. If I could flip a Travis Kelsey, I would. Like, if I could get plus, if I could get Kyle Pitts plus for Travis Kelsey, I would. Unless I am a stone cold contender. Because Kelsey's a cheat code still yeah. a cheat code and it's worth just rolling the dice for another year to try to get that championship. Um Mark Andrews is another player that I think I'd prefer like 28 at tight end. There's still so many years left. I I wouldn't hate the idea of taking Andrews and trying to get Pitts plus. I think I said Hawk. Hawk for sure I would be comfortable moving even though I, I like Hawkinson, but I'd be comfortable moving on from Hawkinson for Kyle Pitts borderline straight up sam laporta i think i'm comfortable just hanging on to sam laporta yeah agreed he honestly like he'd be like maybe like my number two 
um, behind Kyle Pitts of guys that like I would roll the dice with and hold at their current value, like for the rest of their career. Like if I had to pick a tight end. Yeah, and and kind of the the main reason for this is this is a headache that I want to avoid getting into again in the future. Is the tight end position? So like with Kelsey, like you were talking about. If you have Kelsey and then you don't have one of these other guys like a Pitzel or Porta or Hawkinson Andrews, you know you probably don't have Kelsey and Kittle for the most part. You lose Kelsey once he eventually retires, whether or, or starts declining in production. You're left trying to figure out how to fill that void again. So the 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 idea of having Pitts and Laporta and not having to worry about that tight end in the future. Cause I, I do think Pitts is good enough if he's in the right situation. It's always like talent over situation. Right. So if I can get one of those two guys, I, I think you're right. You kind of have to have them all all things equal. If I'm doing a startup, I'm trying to go after a Laporta or Pitts over one of these other tight ends just because it's a headache I don't have to worry about in the future. Yeah. And I hate that position. I just hate the position trying to figure out who it's going to be. Yeah. Agreed. That's interesting, though. Um, yeah, last thing here, too. Uh, we're we're uh, kind of getting to the end here. So we have to cover the wide receiver combo that we had um, yeah. entitled for the headline, Pooper Nakupa. Mm-hmm. So Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua both on the field at the same time kind of yielded some interesting results, I would say. Cup was targeted very heavily. Obviously, I haven't forgotten about him, but Puka still kind of held his own, right? Yeah, he did. I mean, he had the third most. I mean, he had 11 targets the week prior. He had 10. And then so week three, he had seven. Week four, he had 10. And this week, he had 11. Um, he was still a he still has finished as a wide receiver one now pending a couple more games. But he still produces a wide receiver one this week. And that was the concern. Is Stafford going to hone in on one guy or is he going to spread the wealth between two guys it's clear now that puka is the real deal like you we needed to have the cup confirmation like cups in the offense i want to confirm that puka is still what he's been the first few weeks and it's obvious that's what he is so he is worth he is worth that first round pick that people were trading to acquire him now if stafford goes down that that duo somebody somebody's going to suffer because as we've seen like we saw it with people like talk about like they, they disrespect Stafford quite a bit. But if you look at Calvin Johnson, it's like, okay, well, Calvin Johnson and Stafford, like who made who? You know, are they both just elite? And the answer is, yeah, they're probably elite. But Stafford set records with Calvin Johnson. So he turned Calvin Johnson into a record setter. He went to Cooper Cup and turned Cooper Cup into a a record setter when Jared Goff just made Cooper Cup a good receiver. Stafford make him into a record setting receiver. Marvin Jones had his best seasons with Matt Stafford. Kenny Galladay had his best seasons with Matt Stafford. So it's Matt Stafford now we've seen can support two receivers at a wide receiver one level. And that's music to our ears because there's, we have Chase. I mean, Burrow could do it with Chase and Higgins. We've seen him do that. We've seen in Miami, Tua slash Mike McDaniel can support, maybe not this year, but last year they could support Waddle and, and Tyreek Hill. Maybe not as consistently with 
Jalen Waddle last year. But I think if Stafford and those two receivers stay healthy, those could be the rest of the way. They could easily be two wide receiver ones. Yeah, I agree. Um, now, granted, this week was kind of a little bit of a positive game script for that to happen. So I'd be curious to see what happens when there's uh, a little bit different type of game plan. But the Stafford wasn't really incredibly efficient like he normally is. Uh, 21 for 37, 222 yards, two touchdowns. So like Stafford's capable of way more in a negative game script, right? Which is and crazy. Still, yeah, and still Cooper Cup had 12 targets, Puka 11 targets, like you said. The people that paid the price were Higby and Atwell. Yeah, so you said Stafford had 227 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, yeah, 222 and two. And Cooper Cup finishes a wide receiver 11, and Puka finishes a wide receiver 10. So yeah. even with 227 and two touchdowns, he still <laughs> produced two wide receiver ones. Like, moving forward, this offense is just going to be the two receivers. Higby's pretty much done. Puka is going to be used as an ancillary player, maybe some gadget type stuff. But this offense is funneled through two guys the rest of the way. Yeah. Unless teams start trying to take these options away, then it's going to be funneled to like the one guy. Yeah. And then maybe you get a 2-2 game here and there. But man, I, I'm comfortable at this point trading up for or trading for Puka. And if you're a cup owner, We've seen him come back now. I mean, dude, I, I don't know. I think you get it. I'd be trying to trade cup. I agree. Yeah. And it like, yeah. And just like you're saying, recapping Tutu Atwell finish with five targets. He was third on the team, a distant third from Puka with his 11. Um, and with Matt Stafford, Matt Stafford had 222 and two, and Tutu only caught two. <laughs> yeah. And he had one was a touchdown. One was a touchdown. Yep. So if, the cup one is interesting because he's a wide receiver. He's wide receiver overall, wide receiver one overall potential the rest of the way. I, I think with Tyreek playing the way he's playing, I think Tyreek and Justin Jefferson will have something to say about that. But Cooper Cup is probably third. We've seen, obviously, Jamar Chase ball out the last couple of weeks. But I feel more confident in Cup over over chase the rest of the way especially if higgins comes back and and starts kind of taking away from from chase but if i could move cup for another receiver with high volume i would yeah so if i can move cup to get keenan allen plus i would if i could do it to get hopkins plus plus i would i would if I could do it for De Deontay Johnson's a really good buy low right now because he's on IR and he hasn't done any, obviously done anything. So yeah, and you you know when he comes back, he's going to be the target hog that he's always been. So if I can T. get Higgins. plus plus T Higgins, if you can buy low on T Higgins, I think that makes it'll hurt you this year substantially the way that things have played out. Now Burroughs seems like he's back from his his calf injury, like he was mobile. He didn't limp this week. So maybe that'll it'll be a good really good time to buy low on T. Higgins. So if you can do a cup for Higgins flip, yeah, I mean that that'd be savvy. I think that'd be a very wise thing to do. Yeah. I agree to that. Jose Flowers 
If you, but I think Zay Flowers is most likely, it's like if you're on, it really depends on the, obviously the team that has these guys, right? The rebuilding versus contending, but uh, Zay Flowers would be another guy I'd be targeting. Yeah, I agree. So there's some options out there. Um, last thing before we close things off, I want to get a final tally on the poll that you put up. And while you're pulling that up, I, I had one. I wanted to see how far the pendulum swung after Brees Hall's monster performance in week four. I put up uh, a poll. Who do you want on your dynasty squad moving forward? Brees Hall or Bijan Robinson? It was uh, 234 votes, 80 to 20 for Bijan. So people haven't lost faith in their, their I mean, main he's guy. Still, he's still producing. and He had a touchdown. Yeah, today. it's okay. He's still producing yeah. okay. Yeah. I mean, Bijan is like every single week he has a highlight package yeah like he has a through five weeks he has some players career highlights in through five weeks just the highlights yeah. just like the sick moments um, he is fun to watch it's like saquon when he was it's like saquon as a prospect you know like it was fun seeing what he could do and make people look silly he he moves like a video game just his movement is like the movement that he has, just the way he moves, is the only other time we've seen this is is like Barry. Just like how smooth he is with his movement, he like gl- everything he does is like just glides. Yeah, I agree. It's just He's really the runner. Yeah, it's really um, fun to yeah, watch. So, so the poll just to under three hundred votes: sixty percent A Chan, twenty four percent ETN, and then Kenneth Walker at sixteen. So Kenneth Walker and ETN pretty close. A-Chan seems to be the darling. And he is, I mean. But And Twitter kind of agrees with me. I I I'd be moving like I'm I'd be moving ETN ahead of Kenneth Walker in rankings and value. Yeah. I mean they're they're pretty close to each other, but Yep. Yeah. Not, well, I, I bet consider- if you put up a side by side poll with just those two, it might be I bet there's a significant difference, like a sixty five thirty five thing. I will put it up. We won't be able to talk about you and I will have to talk about it offline. We obviously won't this won't make the show. Well, if you're if you hear that's a, that's a perfect segue. So, we're going to say goodbye, but if you guys happen to follow us on Twitter, Izzy posts these polls off of his handle. You can find him on Twitter at DTC underscore Izzy E. The main Dynasty Trade Calculator handle at FF Dynasty Trades will always retweet those ones. So you can see if you follow that handle also, you can see the, the results of the poll. Go and follow those two handles. Like you, yeah, you won't be disappointed. They're very active, uh, very fun stuff, and really cool to see these polls and stuff like that. The the amount of votes that pour in pretty quickly is uh, really interesting to see, and it's fun to see like the how the open market changes, like with the, with yeah. the tide. Yeah, especially like with ETN playing and balling out, and Kenneth Walker being on buy. You're probably right, but then when ETN's on buy and Kenneth Walker goes off, it'll probably flip back. That's the nature of the beast, though. Yeah, and I would yeah. agree with it. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, we'll um I guess we'll see how how this plays out, but is that everything? Did we get everything on the show? We got week? it all. We got it all. Wow. Very nice. Very cool. Well, you guys, thank you so much for listening. Tune in next week. We'll have a whole bunch more new things to cover for you. Thanks for listening. Bye.